All right. Good evening, church. <laughs> All the old people know who Alfred Hitchcock is. Good evening. <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 10. We're continuing in, um, starting at verse 5, verses 5 to 13. I'm just going to read them straight through, and then we'll, we'll break them down. All right. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is a message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Now the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is our text for tonight. Now, before I break this down, I wanted to remind us of Chris's last verse from last week. Chris finished off on this verse right here in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, where it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It's very important that you keep that verse in mind as I, as I go. Because there's a connection. This verse and all of what I'm going to say tonight or, or together. So keep this verse in the back of your mind as I break down uh, verses 5 through 8. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. Righteousness obtained by the way of the law. Now Moses here is quoting an Old Testament verse in Leviticus chapter 18. And it says, keep my statutes and ordinances. A person will live if he does them. I am Yahweh. He says, keep my statutes. This is Moses reminding the people of Israel, keep my statutes and ordinances. A person will live if he does them. And so Moses quotes this verse and he says, Moses writes about a law for Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. And that's what he's talking about. That verse right there. The one who does these things will live by them. So Moses is summarizing the essence of the law of the Old Testament. Blessing was based on obedience. If they did this, they would, they would, they would live. Um, Moses is not, is not talking about gaining righteousness by keeping the law, by the way, and we'll talk about that. But he's making a contrast between, between two types of righteousness, works righteousness and faith righteousness. Always keep that in mind throughout this whole message. He's making a contrast between how to gain righteousness by keeping the law and how to gain righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. So, but it says, those who live by them, it says in, in Leviticus, he says, a person will live if he does them. And what he means by live is he means they will enjoy life under God's pleasure. They will be happy if they live by them. To, they were to abide in God's love and experience temporal blessings and fullness of life if they obey the law. So that's what he's talking about. And notice what he says. A person will live if he does them. Does them. It was, it was, it was an action on their part. And like I said, it brought special blessings that were promised on conditions of obedience. And you see this throughout all Israel's history. When they were obedient to God, God blessed them. And when they were disobedient, they weren't blessed. <laughs> Plain and simple. 
And so throughout all of their history in the Old Testament, you see this principle being played out. But there is a higher reference to a spiritual lesson, which is um, in Jesus Christ, which we'll get to. Um, and we have to understand, and Moses is going to make this point, uh, Paul is going to make this point, obedience is not the way of gaining God's grace. Because we think that as long as I do right, then I'm good with God. God will love me as long as I do. And that's contrary to what the scripture teaches. Realizing that we cannot do anything to gain God's grace or salvation, that ought to drive us to seek the mercy of God. Because God's standard is perfection. Right? God's standard is perfection, and none of us are perfect. So that puts us in a conundrum, if you will. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) So, but it's never the way to obedience, and it's to drive us to mercy. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Hear that. He said, all who rely on the works of the law, being obedient to the law, are under a curse. Why? Because it is written, everyone who does not continue in doing everything written in the book of the law is cursed. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 27. He said, everyone who does not continue to doing, doing again, everything written. In the book of the law's curse. He said, not some of it, everything. In order to gain, and I'm going to talk a little, little bit more about this later, but in order to gain eternal life under the Old Testament system, quote unquote, if you will, you had to keep the law perfectly. You look at all the Ten Commandments, you had to keep every one of them without fail. How you doing with that? <laughs> Thumbs down. <laughs> Amen. But he says, everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now, it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law. Don't miss that. He said, it's clear. Nobody is justified, made righteous before God by the law. Because, I'm going to tell you why, the righteous will live by faith. He quotes another Old Testament verse in Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous will live by faith. That's the verse that changed Martin Luther's life. When he realized that, he was like, oh, wait a minute, hold up. I need to stop trying so hard. <laughs> because my faith, the one who is righteous will live by faith, not by works. Now, are works good? Yes, they are. The Bible says that the law is holy and just and good. God created us. There can only be holy and just and good because it came from God. Verse 12, but the law is not based on faith. That's, what he's, that's the point he's bringing. He said the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does that doing again, the one who does these things will live by them. Like I said, there's a contrast. Works righteousness, faith righteousness. God never placed in the law the power to give life. He never did. He never placed in the law. When he gave the commandments, the Bible says the law was our schoolmaster. We'll read this verse in a little bit. To bring us to Christ. If we could obey the law perfectly, we would gain eternal life. And that's true. See, but, but, but salvation by works is theoretically possible. In theory, it's possible. If I could obey the God perfectly from the moment I'm born to the moment I die, I would gain eternal life. Theoretically. In theory, that's true. But it's a practical impossibility. <laughs> Because nobody has ever done it other than one person, Jesus Christ. 
So in theory, yeah, you would. But in practical, you'll never gain it because nobody's ever done it. Nobody can do it. So, Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. Verse 6, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Now he's going to talk about, okay, I talked about righteousness, works righteousness. Now, faith righteousness, he said, the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And what he's doing, he's quoting an Old Testament verse. Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, you have to understand, Paul's talking to Jewish people who live by the law. So he's got to prove his point through Scripture because of who he's dealing with. So he goes back to the law. He said, remember this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This commandment I give to you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. This is God talking to the children of Israel. He said, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have asked who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. He said, and it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. He said, don't, don't, don't say that. You know, uh, uh, it is not in heaven. Who's going to go up to heaven and bring us the law down so that we can obey it? He said, you don't need to say that. He said, nor to say it is not across the sea so that you have to ask. These are um, th- things that are they're trying to, reaching for the will of God, if you will. These are things that were impossible to do. Nobody could go up to heaven and you didn't need anybody to go across the seas. He said, but what does he say? Um, back to back to. Yeah, here we go. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Okay, um, so he's comparing those two, those two verses. He says, Christ has already come down. When he talks about going into the abyss, and he says, who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss? The abyss, the abyss was the depth of the bottom of which is not known. It was the underworld or the abode of the dead. Who's going to go down and bring Christ up from the dead? He said, they're asking that question. Uh, he said, do not say that. Why? They already had the message of faith in the scriptures. And Paul is using Deuteronomy 30 to show the contrast between works righteousness and faith righteousness. Even in Deuteronomy, it said, uh, it, it talked about faith, if you will. And these verses, Paul, Paul is, is giving a warning of what not to do. Believing is what is required because these verses in Deuteronomy, Paul is going to show, are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Jews could not plead ignorance of God's will. When they said, who's going to go up to heaven? They had the Ark of the Covenant, which carried the, the word of God around with them everywhere they went. They didn't need anybody to come down. He gave it to them on Mount Sinai. They had it with them all the time. It was right in their presence. They said, so he said, you don't need to say who's going to go up. It's right here. I've given it to you, written with the Bible, says, with the finger of God. <laughs> I love that verse. Written with the finger of God. The Ten Commandments. You ever see the movie The Ten Commandments? You see God writing the, the Ten Commandments. And it's a movie, but you get the point. <laughs> but they were a warning of what not to do. Philippians chapter 3, Paul so much stresses this point all the time in Scripture. 
Here in Philippians chapter 3, read, listen what it says. For we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. He's talking about believers. He said, we are the ones, the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in your flesh. We don't put no confidence in ourselves, in our flesh. He said, although I once also had confidence in the flesh. He said, I used to do that. I used to have confidence in my flesh. He said, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He said, if you want to brag about uh, your flesh, he said, I got more reason to brag than you do. And he lays out his resume. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he says, circumcised the eighth day, which was required by the law, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, where all the kings came from, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews, ain't nobody more Jewish than me, regarding the law, a Pharisee, which was a high position, regarding zeal, persecuting the church. He, when, when the church first started, Paul persecuted the church because he was so faithful to the law. He persecuted these people of the new way, quote unquote. He said, these people got it wrong. I got zeal for my God in the law. My righteousness come from the law, and I got zeal, and I'm going to persecute these new folk here. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. This is what he said, the righteousness that is in the law. He didn't say the righteousness that comes from faith. He said, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, he said, I was blameless. He said, could nobody accuse me of nothing? He said, I was blameless when it came to that. Now, you know he wasn't really blameless. <laughs> the point is, he was a real Israelite who, seeked, who, did, who did all he could to obey the law. That was his point. He said, well, nobody more zealous and loved the law more than I did. Blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Listen to that. He said, everything that was a gain to me through the law, he said, I consider it a loss because of Christ. Then he says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow. He says, I also consider everything to be a loss. Everything that I gained, he said, I consider it to be a loss. Why? In view of of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I give it all up just to know who Jesus is. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth, dung, poop, is what that means. <laughs> so that, I'm going to tell you why, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. Not having a righteousness of my own, how? From the law. But one that is through faith in Christ. Righteousness works righteousness, faith righteousness. He said, I don't want the one from works righteousness. He said, I ain't talking about that. He said, not having 
the one that is from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. That's how we become righteous, church. Not by obeying everything God commands us to obey. I'm righteous in Christ because of what he's done on my behalf. It's very important that you get that. Because Paul, Paul was the epitome of a Jew. That's why he laid out his whole resume. He said, listen, look at my resume. He said, but listen, I count all of that as nothing compared to knowing Christ. He said, because I don't want, I, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. All right. Um, where am I going? <laughs> okay, here we go. Verse 8, sorry. Verse 8. Um, that's my verse 8. Here we go. Um, on the contrary... So remember, nobody needs to go up to heaven to bring Christ down. Nobody needs to go into the abyss to bring him up. But he says, on the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That's what the word says in Deuteronomy 30. He said it's near you. He said it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. They had the, the, the word in their own language. They had it through common conversation. God told them to talk about it when you go to bed at night. Talk about it when you get up. Teach it to your kids. They had the word in their mouth all the time. They read it constantly. He said it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It was in their mind. It was in their thoughts all the time. They carried it with them through the wilderness for 40 years. The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. The message of faith that we proclaim, not the message of works that we proclaim. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He says, this is the message that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, the word confess is homologio in the Greek, and it means to speak the same thing, to assert, to agree with, to declare openly by way of speaking out freely as a conviction of fact. Let me read that again. To confess means to, to declare openly by way of speaking out freely as a conviction of fact. He said in order to be saved, that's what you got to do. You got to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. See, our confession is based on an inward conviction. The outward confession is based on inward conviction. Inward conviction. Confession verifies the faith in the heart. When you confess it, you're verifying what's already in your heart. So he says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus, in Matthew chapter uh, 10, This is Jesus talking. He says, everyone who will acknowledge or confess, some translations say confess here, 
Everyone who will acknowledge or confess me before men, I will also acknowledge or confess him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Wow. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So he says, everybody who confesses me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father. But if you don't confess me, I ain't confessing you. Why would you not confess Christ as Lord? But this is a warning. Confession is based on inward conviction. In John chapter 12, it says, Nevertheless, many did believe in him, talking about Jesus, even among the rulers. They did believe. But listen, but because of the Pharisees, they did not, what, confess him. Wow. They said they believed, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Why? So they would not be banned from the synagogue. Wow. I believe you, Jesus, but, you know, I ain't going to say it. I ain't going to tell nobody because, you know, I ain't trying to get kicked out of the church. They wouldn't confess him. They wouldn't agree with God openly with their mouth. So they would not be banned from the synagogue. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. Did you hear that? That was their motivation. That's why I'm not confessing. Because I'd rather you praise me than God. I'd rather hear you say, well done, Eddie, than hear God say in the end, well done, good and faithful servant. Wow. Many did believe in him, even among the rulers, even among the leaders of the people. You know, I think he is the Messiah. Where the Pharisees at? I think... But because of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were threatened him. If you, if, you if you say he's the Messiah, God better not ever see you in the synagogue again. Don't you ever confess him in my presence. He is not the Messiah. And you say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll see you Saturday. <laughs> because they love the praise of men. More than praise. The leaders, they're talking about the leaders here. The pastors love the praise of men more than praise of God. Don't ever listen, church. If you saved, say so. Don't be intimidated by the world. Don't be intimidated by co-workers. Don't be intimidated by your family. Yes, he is, he is Lord. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That he is who he said he was. I don't care what you think. You can call me any kind of name you want, holy, royal, call me whatever you want. Jesus is Lord. Ah. Um. Oh, wait, sorry. Um. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. They had to, what they had to confess was the lordship of Jesus Christ. The word Lord is kurios in the Greek, and it's the Hebrew name from God in Greek in, of the Old Testament, Yahweh. So they had to confess that Jesus is Yahweh of the Old Testament. He is God. 
They had acknowledged his deity and acknowledged his right to rule over the soul. They couldn't just say he was Lord. They had to make him Lord. See, you can say it and not mean it. They couldn't just say he's Lord. They had to make him Lord. The word Savior is used 16 times in the New Testament for Jesus. Savior. The word Lord is used 450 times. You think God's trying to make a point? Savior 16 times, which is what he is. Savior and Lord. Lord 450 times. It talks about Jesus as Lord. Wow. The earliest creative confession in the New Testament church was Jesus is Lord. Because Caesar was called Lord. But, they, but these new Christians said, ah, no, 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 no. Jesus is Lord. And that was a political statement. Saying Jesus was Lord was a political statement. Because they were saying Caesar is not Lord. And that was dangerous. They had to acknowledge his person and his work. And listen, and to say Jesus is Lord, it doesn't, it's not talking about just uh, mouthing words without any, any meaning or any, any sincerity. Because listen here. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Therefore I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. Nobody speaking by the Spirit of God is going to call Jesus cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one's going to confess that Jesus is God, the God of the Old Testament, except by the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you, you will not admit that. Lord meaning sovereign God, not just some earthly ruler. He is Lord, Kyrios, Yahweh. So we have to acknowledge his person. That's who he is in his essence and being. He is Lord. Everything that you see, he created with the word of his mouth. He just said, let there be. And all of a sudden, pfft. and there it was. The Bible says he holds everything together through the word of his power. He can kill you with just a word and he can create with just a word. And God said, let there be. And there was. That's who you got to confess that Jesus is. That God in Genesis one. And you will not do that unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Acknowledge his person, acknowledge his work, everything he did on the cross. You got to acknowledge that he is Lord. He died for my sin. Rose again. We're going to talk about that. All right. Ah. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You got to believe not just that he's Lord and sovereign ruler, but that God raised him from the dead. The resurrection distinguishes Jesus as Lord from other confessions in the Greco-Roman world. Nobody else could confess to being raised from the dead. That distinguishes Jesus, not just from those in the Greek and Roman world, from today. Nobody, no religious figure, quote unquote, can say they were raised from the dead. Nobody. And this is the distinguishing mark for Christians. And that's why they have to get rid of the resurrection. Because if Jesus did rise from the dead, that puts him above everybody else. So they have to say, well, he rose spiritually. Heresy, Jehovah's Witnesses. 
That's what they believe. They believe that his body hid Jesus, God hid Jesus' body somewhere. They believe that the man Jesus is still dead to this day. He only rose spiritually. Heresy. You got to believe that he rose physically from the dead. Jesus fully assumed the title by means of the resurrection, the title of Lord by means of the resurrection. Proved it who he proved who he was. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news. Singled out for God's good. That's a good reason to be singled out. Paul said, I was singled out, chosen for God's good news, which he promised long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. All of the Old Testament talked about this. He says, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, and singled out for God's good news, which he promised long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, he was Jewish, and who has been declared to be the powerful son of God by the resurrection from the dead. He says, declared to be, not just the son of God, the powerful son of God. How? By the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. God, the resurrection. Listen, this, this is the capstone of our faith. If there is no resurrection, we can go home. Paul said, if Christ did not rise from the dead, your, your faith is in vain and we can just shut the whole thing down. You ain't getting resurrected either if Jesus didn't. Next week, we're going to celebrate this, the, the most important event in the history of the world, the resurrection of the Son of God. Next week, we're going to celebrate that. If you don't believe that, you are done. The resurrection is it, church. There is no salvation without the resurrection. If you don't believe, first of all, that he's Lord and that he raised from the dead, you ain't saved. You might say, I believe Jesus was a good teacher and all that. That, that ain't enough. No, 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 no. He was a good man, good moment. No, 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 no. No. If he ain't Lord, he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Them's the only options you got. And then you got to believe that he was raised from the dead. Well, I believe he's Lord, but I don't really believe he rose from the dead. Okay, you're going to hell. You ain't saved. Um, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those two things are essential to salvation. He's Lord, sovereign ruler, God in the flesh, and he was raised from the dead physically. When he rose, he said, look, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones that you see that I have, Thomas. I'm not a ghost. No salvation without the resurrection. Listen, Romans 4. He did not waver. Talking about uh, Abraham here. Paul's talking about Abraham said, he did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what he, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. God said, Abraham, you're going to be a father at the age of 100. And, and they thought that was ridiculous. Sarah laughed. But it says, Abraham, uh, 
did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Whatever God says to you, he can do. He said Abraham was convinced that God can do this. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. Listen to that. How did Abraham be declared righteous? Because he believed God. He was convinced that God was able to perform, not because he kept the law. It was credited to him for righteousness. Verse 23. Now, it was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone. Verse 24. But also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him. How? Who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Once I believe that, I'm declared righteous before God. He's Lord and God raised him from the dead. You are righteous. Positionally. Not practically. That's what he's saying here. It will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He was delivered up for our trespasses. He died for our sins on the cross, took our sins on the cross. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised from the dead for our justification to make us just and righteous before God. And it took both of those things. He had to be delivered up for our sins on the cross and then raised from the dead for our justification. They go together. You can't have one without the other. If you're saved, you're justified. You're declared righteous. The teaching of the resurrection is very prominent in the apostles' teaching. I could stand up here for the rest of the day and quote scripture talking about the resurrection from the Bible. And we will be here for hours. But I ain't going to do that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but the resurrection is so prominent in the Bible. It, it includes, now, now listen, when you, when you, there's so many places that the resurrection, because it's so important, church, I cannot stress that enough. The resurrection, without that, we have no salvation. And if you don't believe that, you don't have it personally. No matter what else you believe. No matter what else you believe, if you don't believe in a resurrection, you're, you're not a Christian. That belief that he rose from the dead came, it includes he came from God, he died for sin, God approved and accepted his work and sacrifice. He proved that by raising him from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He was exalted to have dominion and he will return one day. Listen, church, not only was he resurrected, he's coming back again. And when he comes back, oh, what a day, what a day, what a day. No more lamb. The Bible says he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. Whew. The lion from the tribe of Judah, not the poodle. Not the cat from the tribe. The lion from the tribe of Judah. The lion is the king of beasts. Don't nobody mess with the lion in the jungle. He's called king of beasts for a reason. You got to believe all of that about him. Acts chapter 2. This is Peter on the day of Pentecost. Peter on the day of Pentecost uh, preaching after the Holy Ghost. This is the birth of the church. The birth of the church right here. God has resurrected this Jesus. This is the middle of his, middle of his, of his sermon, his preaching. 
God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. He said, listen, God resurrected him, and all y'all know it. He said, all y'all seen it. The Bible says, this thing wasn't done in a corner. He said, we are all witnesses of this. Y'all saw him on the cross. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, that's where he is right now, sitting, making intercession for us, exalted to the right hand of God, and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see in here. This is God. What you see right here with this Holy Ghost and these people, these people looking like they drunk, that's God. Jesus Christ has poured out his Spirit, and this is a result of that. What you see right here, all these people here, this is what, this is what we're, this is what is happening. He has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he him. Now he's quoting an Old Testament uh, verse in Psalm 22 from David. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, David says, the Lord declared to my Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, God, declared to my Lord, my Messiah, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. And that's what Jesus is to this day. He's at the right hand of the Father. That's a position of power and authority. The Bible says he's sitting there making intercession for you and me. If you want anybody to pray for you, you want Jesus to pray for you. Mama's good, daddy good, husband, wife good. But listen, if don't none of them pray for you, as long as Jesus is praying for you, you good. He's making intercession for us. For it was not David who had ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty. Listen, he's talking to a bunch of Jews. He said, let all the house of Israel know with certainty. Listen to the language, with certainty. That God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, by the way. He threw that in there. <laughs> this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. See, they're waiting on the Messiah. He said, but this Jesus, whom you strung up on a, on a cross, God has made him, both Lord, sovereign ruler, everything. Both Lord and Messiah. Not only is he Lord, he's also the Messiah we've been waiting on. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction. Wow. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? After hearing all of that, listen, what do I do with this? What must we do? And Peter said, I'm glad you asked. Peter said, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do I do with all this information? Peter said, repent and recognize him as Lord and confess that he was raised from the dead. That's what you do with what you just heard. If you are here today and you ain't saved, what, you, what, what do you do with all this information I'm giving you? Repent and believe the gospel. That's what you do. Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Acknowledge that you've offended God. We've all had to do it. Acknowledge that. Repent and believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And that God raised him from the dead. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
God will pour himself into you. <laughs> God will pour himself into you through the Holy Spirit and give you power to live for him. That's what you do with all this information. The Bible says, Philippians 2, eventually every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. They all going to confess it eventually. Every knee will bow, not some, everyone. Every atheist knee going to bow. Every Buddhist knee going to bow. Every Muslim knee going to bow. Every Jehovah's Witness knee going to bow and say Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you can bow now, willingly, or bow by force later, but you're going to bow and confess he is Lord, the creator of all things, just like the Bible says he is. You can deny him now, but eventually. God always wins, by the way. <laughs> God always wins. Never get into an argument or fight with God. You will lose every time. Okay. He's Lord and risen from the dead. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. One believes with the heart, which is the trust at the core of one's being. It's trusting God at the core and the essence of who you are. That's what he means by heart. He says, with your heart, that results in righteousness. Not obeying the law. You believe with all your heart. Everything within you, the core of your being. Mere intellectual agreement with the facts is not enough. People may say, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I got, that's not enough. Just you can have intellectual assent and nothing here. Intellectual assent and no heart belief. So you can, people can believe in some of the things that Jesus taught. You know, I believe in the teachings of Jesus. Okay, that ain't far enough. You don't just believe in his teaching. You got to believe in him. Because people try to sound spiritual. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, he was, he was a great teacher. Yeah. Have you surrendered your life to him? Well, I don't know about all that. Pointless. With the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Outward confession. And these are acts, they are not to be, they are be held together. The, the belief in the heart and the confession with the mouth. They go together. There's not like one or the other. It's both. You can't have one without the other. Confession of Christ's name is a true test of discipleship. When you confess all of that, the lordship, the resurrection, that's a test that you are really a disciple of Jesus Christ. Especially in the New Testament. Especially in the New Testament. When they confess Christ, that was a test of the real discipleship. Because, you know, we, see, we read about the persecution of the church. Persecuted for confessing this right, for confessing him as Lord. 
Once faith is produced in the heart, it will show itself by confession. When faith is produced in the heart, and God is the one who produces the faith in the heart, by the way. Not you. It's the gift of God, the Bible says. God produces that faith in the heart, and it will show itself by confession with the mouth. Now, now, now listen, I know a lot of churches, when you know, they have altar calls and they have people come down and, and they say, repeat after me, and they confess this. That's not really what he's talking about. Just, just mouthing Jesus as Lord, I believe he raised from the dead. Okay, and I'm not, God can use that, I'm not saying, but, but there's, so much, there's so much to this. It's not just a, 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 a haphazard confession that you make. Because, you know, like I said, confession means to agree with, to declare, and then believe. It's, it's not, it's not a, a mantra. Is what I, the point I'm trying to make is it's not a mantra. You come down and you say, oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus is Lord. It's not a mantra. It's not a mantra. There's meaning behind those terms. Confession and belief. There's a meaning behind those terms. And I know we've all seen that altar call in the church. And um, Okay, all right. Okay. Ah. Now the scripture says, verse 11, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Paul, again, is quoting an Old Testament verse. Remember, he's dealing with Jews. The Old Testament is their life, their lifestyle. They, 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 they live by that. So he has, to, he has to prove his point from the Old Testament. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's been doing this whole time. Proving that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for those who believe through the Old Testament. Now, he quotes Isaiah 28. Therefore, the Lord God said, look, I've laid a, a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will not be unshakable. Now, in, in, in the Greek, that word unshakable is translated in shame as we, as we read in the New Testament. So it's not a contradiction. Um, so, but he also quotes this in Romans chapter 9. As it is written, look, I am putting a stone in Zion, that same verse, to stumble over and a rock to trip over. Yet the one who believes on him will not be put to shame. So uh, he's, he's showing through the Old Testament that this principle of everybody being saved through, through, through uh, Christ's righteousness is even in the Old Testament. So he has to prove that to these Jews. And it's the same thing today. Jews, most Jews, from what I understand, who are Messianic and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, got saved from reading Isaiah 53. Because that's a clear indication of who Jesus is in Isaiah 53. And I heard a Jewish Messianic Jew say that. He said, most Jews get saved from reading Isaiah 53. I remember hearing a story of, uh, uh, of a guy who went to his mom's house. He was Jewish, and he went to his mom's house, and he and he said, Mom, I want to read something to you. And he read Isaiah 53. And he said, what does that sound like? And she said, oh, it sounds like Jesus. And he didn't tell her what he was reading from. She said, oh, it sounds like Jesus. He said, that's Isaiah 53. She became so angry. She got so mad. She said, don't ever do that to me again. Because she was mad that she admitted <laughs> that in her scriptures... 
prophesied about Jesus. And eventually both of them got saved. But she said, I'm a Jew. I ain't supposed to believe that. But that just sounds like who these Gentiles call Jesus, who they say is the Messiah. But I'm Jewish. I ain't supposed to believe that. But it's in my Bible. <laughs> what do I do with that? Like they said, okay, what do we do, Peter? What do we do? Repent. That's what you do. And acknowledge who you just heard about. Okay. Um, he says, they will not be put to shame. That word shame means humiliated, dishonored. And it talks about those who eventually, who, who reject Christ on judgment day, they will be put to shame. He said, but those who believe in him will never be put to shame. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Between Jew and Gentile. He said there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Paul has to bring that, drive that point home because the Jews thought that they were, they were special. And salvation was for them and only them. So Paul has to bring the point home. Listen, there's no distinction between us and them. We see that all through the book of Acts, chapter 10 in particular, with Peter going to Cornelius' house. You know, that was an example God was saying, listen, don't you call common what I have cleansed. And Peter was, and we know the story of the vision God gave Peter of all the animals he wasn't allowed to eat, you know, in the Old Testament. And, 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 and God showed him in a vision and brought it down. And, and, and he said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, what, Lord? He said, I ain't never had a pork chop sandwich in my life. What are you talking about? There's pepperoni on there, Lord. What are you, what are you doing? Why are you, what are you tempting me? What's going on here? <laughs> Cornelius was a Gentile. Go to this Gentile's house. They weren't allowed to go to Gentile's house. They were considered unclean. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call upon him. Galatians 3. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. He said, there's no distinction. There is no Jew or Greek. Now he's talking about there's no, none of these things uh, um, um, are disqualify you from, from being justified through faith. In other words, there's no Jew or Greek that doesn't disqualify you, no slave or free. Y'all are all equal at the foot of the cross is what he's saying. He's not saying there's no more Jews and no more Gentiles. That's ridiculous. That's not, that's, that's not the point he's making. He said, when it comes to salvation and being justified by faith and not by the law, God says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to justify the Jews by faith. I'm going to justify the Gentiles by faith. I'm going to justify men by faith. I'm going to justify women by faith. I'm going to justify the slave master by faith. I'm going to justify the slave by faith. And some of y'all just got offended at that right there, right? whole nother message. <laughs> Everybody gets justified by faith. Nobody gets justified by the works of the law. And that was shocking to Jews and to Gentiles. It's just I was like, what, what? We, we can get in? What? So the Gentiles were like, when they heard this, they was like, yes, yes, 
Jesus is Lord. Yes. The Jews was like, wait a minute, what? What you? A total different response. After Acts chapter 10, when they went in Acts chapter 11, the Jews was like, we heard, Peter, you went to a Gentile's house. What's up, Pete? We heard you went to a Gentile's house. Ain't you Jewish? A total different response. The Gentiles was like, yes, baby. We can get into this covenant with God. The Jews like, we don't want y'all in this covenant with us. <laughs> and, and Peter had to, de- all, had to deal with the Jews, the Judaizers. Y'all need to, okay, oh, if you're going to come in, you need to be circumcised at least. Get circumcised. At least keep the Sabbath. They're like, no, no, we ain't going to do none of that. Gentiles are like, I ain't going to get cut nowhere. <laughs> that was y'all. <laughs> I ain't got ain't cut nothing. And they was happy about that. And I am too. <laughs> By faith and faith alone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All black, white, Jew, Gentile, Asian, European, African, you're all one, church. That is beautiful. I can't wait to get to heaven to see that. No more fussing about all this stuff down here concerning race and all of that. None of that. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, Abraham's descendant, and heirs according to the promise. You get in on this deal. According to the promise that was made way back in Genesis chapter 12. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you, Abraham. Okay, I'm almost done. Two minutes. Um, But there's no distinction between Jew and Greek since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call upon him. Listen to that. The same Lord of all is rich to all who call upon him. Rich, kind, beneficent, merciful to all who call upon him. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes back to another Old Testament verse. Joel chapter 2. Remember this verse, Jews? After this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity, not Jewish humanity. I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. Wow. I will display wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awe-inspiring day of the Lord comes. Okay, prophesy. Then everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be saved. That's the verse he's quoting. Everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh. Remember Yahweh? That's who Jesus is, Yahweh. For there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, as the Lord promised, among the survivors the Lord calls. Everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be saved. He says, listen, Jewish people, it ain't just about us. Everybody who calls on Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah, will be saved. Joel told us that in our scriptures in the Old Testament. Isaiah told us the same thing. This is not new doctrine. Jews, everyone who calls on the name of, even Gentiles, who call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. He's, 
The names that were applicable to God in the Old Testament, he's now applying them to Jesus. Yahweh in the Old Testament, that's Jesus in the New Testament. That's Jesus. He's Yahweh. He's Lord. Remember Lord, Yahweh, Kyrios, same God. That's who this Messiah is that you all crucified. He's Lord and God raised him from the dead. Believe that and you will be saved. No more works righteousness. No more works righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. It stops with him. Jesus is the goal of the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. The law was all about me. He said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal, eternal life, but they testify of me. It was always about me, church. It was always about me, Jews. It was always about me. And they couldn't stand that when he said stuff like that. Before Abraham was, I am. They hated that. He said, those scriptures that you read, me. Always were about me. And Paul flushes it out. In the whole book of Romans in particular, <laughs> the whole book, but in these verses in particular, he flushes out, okay, we're not saved through righteousness, through keeping the law. We're saved by faith in this Messiah that we've been waiting on for all these years. He's come. He's Lord. He was died. He was, he was, he was hung up for our trespasses on the cross. Remember that day? That was for you. That was for you, Peter. That was for you, James. That was for you, John. And when he rose from the dead, that was for you. To make you righteous in God's sight. We're going to take communion. He said, everyone who calls, that means to acknowledge him as sovereign father and friend. Calls on the name of the Lord. You need to call on him. If you are here today and you're not a believer, you need to call on the name of Jesus Christ to be justified and made righteous in his sight through faith in what Jesus has done. After we take, we're going to uh, sing a song and then we're all going to come back and take communion together.